Hey everyone, welcome to the Goody Reader Radio Show. My name is Michael. It's December 17th, 2014 here at goodyreader.com and I want to talk to you about something that is near and dear to my heart right now, which is e-readers. Uh, we've been covering e-readers here at Goody Reader since like 2008, so this was like half a year after the original Kindle came out. This was right during when Sony had released two models and this is well before Kobo or Barnes and Noble got into the scene and a number of European and Russian e-reader companies started actually making products. So we've truly seen the rise of e-readers and we saw their, you know, when they cost $399 and now we see them cost somewhere around the neighborhood of $79. We've seen them got more refined, streamlined, use better technology, but we've also seen a number of notable players leave the space. Well, what's happening with e-readers here in, in 2014 and going into 2015? I kind of feel right now that e-readers are on a race to the bottom. Companies like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Kobo, uh, they're foregoing a number of critical features to be able to better compete against each other in the lucrative U.S. and U.K. markets. And this is contributing to a few things. Uh, overall, build quality is suffering. Uh, internet browsing on e-readers has never really uh, been refined. And we've seen a number of notable things get lost in the shuffle, such as audio. In 2011, we really started to see e-readers come down in price. Uh, the Kindle keyboard went from $189 to $99. Uh, Barnes and Noble and Kobo both did their flagship e-readers to $99, and this was a far cry from uh, 2007 when the Kindle, the original one, was $399 and Sony's entry-level e-reader was $349. So we've seen them dramatically come down in cost, but it's because they've had to basically make them cheaper, be able to mass produce them in order to compete better against each other. Because don't forget, you know, most of the sales from hardware comes from North America, so Canada, the US, and the United Kingdom. These are like the three money markets everyone's really concerned about. So the lack of audio, I think, has really been one of the deciding factors that has hindered the growth of e-readers. And instead of taking it to the next level in terms of adoptability and sales, it's actually hindered it. And here's why. Um, you look at schools, and one of the reasons why e-readers have never done well in schools is because they have dropped audio. And whenever pilot projects try to get off the ground and try to get established, um, organizations like the National Federation of the Blind basically protest. And they say, you know, no students should be left behind because, let's face it, in a lot of schools, there's people with disabilities, uh, whether they're uh, visual, mental, people are nearsighted, farsighted, are blind completely. And when e-readers get distributed to schools, they have to be be accessible by all students and on a number of occasions the National Federation of the Blind really lambasted Amazon and in some cases they organized protests right outside Amazon Seattle headquarters so the lack of audio I think has really kind of hindered it because don't forget Audible which is owned by Amazon is 
pretty well the largest audiobook company in the world. And the Kindle Touch was the last model by Amazon that actually had stereo... Well, they had two speakers and a 3.5 millimeter headphone jack and allowed people to buy and listen to audiobooks right on their e-reader. Now you can't do that. And I think that for a device that's geared towards reading, I think audiobooks are almost synonymous now with e-reading. Uh, audiobooks are a billion-dollar industry. In uh, 2013, it was roughly about $1.9 billion global in, in terms of sales. And this only stemmed from 20,000 new books that were published that year. And in prior years, the figure was dramatically lower, somewhere in the neighborhood of like 13,000. So there's a lot of money being generated by not a whole lot of audiobooks. And this has kind of prompted the rise of the audiobook industry, which we'll talk about on another upcoming podcast. So the race to the bottom, I think, has stagnated the industry and we're not seeing a lot of innovation anymore. I remember being at CES in 2009 and 2010 and there was e-readers everywhere as well as new forms of e-paper that were really poised to take the industry by storm. Uh, the Bridgestone e-paper, Liquivista, LG Flexible e-paper, Miracell Color, Pixel Qui and Pistol uh, plastic logic these are all companies that had their own innovative approach to e-paper some like bridgestone focused on you know uh, 13 to over 20 inches uh, liquivista and Miracell focused on color pixel queen plastic logic focused on displays for not only e-readers but also tablets and smartphones that drew way less power and could actually be used in direct sunlight if you've ever had a tablet or smartphone by like Apple or an Android device, you know what I'm talking about. You kind of get that glare, which hard, which makes it hard to use in the outdoors. So all of these technologies, we've never actually seen a real commercial product do well uh, in this sector. And that's because companies like Amazon and Barnes & Noble and Kobo, they, they're risk adverse now. Uh, after bringing the entry level price so low from $399 to basically $99, the price can never dramatically increase again. So they've kind of shot themselves in the foot. They've pretty well established an industry-wide pricing model where e-readers tend never to really uh, go as low as about $79 and tend never to go as high as about $199, which is the price of the new Kindle Voyage. So all of these companies never got really a chance to find people to do business with them because they could never um, manufacture enough screens at a low enough price to be able to make an entry-level e-reader viable. Uh, the race to the bottom has not only limited consumer options, but it's effectively edged out smaller companies that are making alternative e-readers. Of course, I'm talking about Icarus, Onyx Books, Pocketbook, Wexler, and uh, Tolino, which are a number of e-readers that are aimed in Germany, at Eastern Europe, Russia, and China. Um, the reason why they're focused on those markets is because preliminarily they tried to uh, ensure the North American and, and Western European markets, but 
because basically Kindles and Kobos, they could basically outprice them to such a huge degree that they just can't compete. You know, don't forget these companies are not big. They're bootstrapped, they're startups, they don't have a ton of money. They're certainly not making their e-readers in the millions. They're making them in the thousands. So they're not really getting those deals from the manufacturing plants and from the design factories in either China or Taiwan. So a lot of people are saying, you know, why would I want to buy a six inch e-reader for like $229 when I could buy a Kindle, which gives me access to a better bookstore for a hundred dollars. And that's the sort of mentality that has propelled Amazon to being one of the most dominant ebook and hardware players in the world. Uh, last I checked, the whole ebook industry is worth $14.8 billion in 2013, um, in, or sorry, 2014. And those figures actually come from Kobo, who owns the second largest uh, ebook store in the world. But Amazon accounts for 75% of all ebook sales in North America and the UK. So they're a juggernaut that's really hard to take. And Barnes and Noble and Kobo have done an admirable job of being able to stay competitive. And I think them expanding outside the U.S. into other markets, that's really helped them. But these alternative companies, they're pretty well doing good in the countries that Amazon and everyone else has not bothered with. So I'm talking about, like, uh, about Poland, about, um, you know, about Russia and, you know, other markets like that, that these companies rely on those markets as their bread and butter, both in the educational sector and the, commu and the commercial sector. So I kind of feel like e-readers have lost their innovative spirit. And this is mainly because they're not really competing against anyone anymore. It's sort of like when, if you guys are wrestling fans like I am, it's a guilty pleasure. But I remember when the Monday Night Wars were in full effect roughly about 10 years ago when WCW and Monday Night Raw were on at the exact same time. And all of these companies really stepped up their production values. They stepped up their storytelling devices. They did things that were risky in order to uh, get more viewers, in order to survive, and, and, and whose business model could continue. Continue. Obviously, WWE won out with basically slicker production values, more memorable characters. WCW kind of fizzled away due to management issues, due to talent, uh, you know, doing their own booking and, and going into business for themselves. And so now we have WWE. And a lot of people are disappointed right now in the WWE product because there's not a whole lot of competition uh, out there in order for them to uh, do things, anything differently than they're doing it now. If they had a huge company or TNA, for example, was on par with uh, money with with WWE in terms of popularity. Perhaps that would spur them to uh, do things differently, and it's much akin to the e-reader industry. You know, uh, Amazon's not really competing with anybody. It's uh, Kobo and Barnes and Noble that are f fighting for the scraps. Uh, Tolino Al Alliance in Germany, uh, comprised of like Deutsche Telekom and Thalia, they're pretty well just focused exclusively on the German market. And there's a number of homegrown companies in Spain that are making e-readers, but they're way more expensive than anything from Kobo and Amazon. So people are switching to those companies. So we've kind of are in a landscape that right now where you have the dominant players and 
you can't outprice them on ebooks because Amazon just sells ebooks at such a low price that it's really hard for a startup to come out of nowhere and immediately start being competitive. We are seeing a rise of ebook subscription services like a Scribd and Oyster and Entitle and companies like that, but they don't really release enough figures to really see uh, how viable their business models are considering that these companies all survive right now out of uh, venture capital funding, they probably aren't even profitable at all. So it's really hard with these big guys in the industry because they're not innovating. They're releasing a whole lot of Me Too products. If you were to put a Kindle Paperwhite 1 and a Kindle Paperwhite 2 side by side and pull average people off the street and say, what's the difference? Chances are no one would be able to tell you at all. For GoodyReader.com, my name's Michael and everybody take care.